All right, folks, welcome in to another edition of Behind the Yellow Line. We have so much to talk about tonight. These last couple weeks, it's been slow. Collective bargaining agreement gets worked out. Holy hell, the last 72 hours, the Cubs making major league moves. And I'm talking big-time contracts. We're going to talk about the new Japanese star that has joined the Chicago Cubs today, some other changes to the pitching staff, some injury updates, just so much to get to. So let's get into it. This is number 60 of Behind the Yellow Line. We are on Twitter at BTYL Podcast. And Jeremy, I think we got to address the elephant in the room here right out of the gate. Folks, bad news, sad news for you tonight. We are without Randall J. Sanders. Not with us tonight. Quote, unquote, scheduling conflict, he says, which is why he can't make it tonight. But Jeremy, you're back from North Carolina. It's good to see you. I'm just sad. Though we don't have the full crew here, it's never quite the same without Randall. It's a Randall-free podcast. It's uh, it's a sad day. I, I listened uh, to you guys last week, so first of all, I, I do want to say one thing. I I I, I, got, I do take issue with I have Randall uh, calling some champions frauds. Oh, when we yes. have banners, we have T-shirts, we have hats, we are champions two years in a row, Big Ten champions. Uh, Big Ten tournament champions, although we could say Big Ten champions. When there's a certain team that plays on Madison that he said, I take call frauds. They haven't won anything in a long time and probably mm-hmm. won't win anything this year. So I'm just taking exception to Randall calling them frauds. Congrats to you, man. Last Friday, yeah. you won. Andre Curbelo missed a shot, yeah. a lot of missed shots for the Illini that day. But uh, yeah, Indiana won. They got in the tournament. and uh, yeah. Exciting for the Hoosiers. Yeah. Back-to-back wins in the Big Ten tournament for the first time since 2003. That's not good. I mean, it's good to get it this year, but it should never take that long to win consecutive games in the tournament. Uh, Hoosiers get in. They win last night in Dayton. They're in Portland tomorrow. With, I think a really good chance for a 12-5 upset. So I'm very happy. I know you're excited for Friday night. The Illini are going to be playing, and that kind of tied into why Randall's not here tonight. He wanted to record tomorrow. You and I both were immediately like, absolutely not. <laughs> There's no chance <laughs> no, in hell. No chance. Recording on Thursday night. And my Hoosiers, you know, will be playing tomorrow night. And then Friday night was his second offer. That's right in the middle of the Illini game. And a whole day's worth of exciting college basketball. So that wasn't going to work out. And I'm going to say something about Randall here, too, before we get into all this Cubs mayhem. And I feel like I need to preface this with some nice things because I got something to say that may irritate him. I will say this right off the bat. Randall, big reason why he's not here tonight is he's working his tail off. He's putting in a lot of hours at work right now. He had a a rare night shift that he had to go and cover this evening. So that's part of the reason why he's not here. Also, we miss Randall. We we love doing the show with him. I very much enjoy getting to talk Cubs baseball every hour with Randall. Have I been nice? Have I been polite? Can I move on to my criticism now? This is what I don't get about this time of the year about Randall. Randall's a, a good sports fan. He follows lots of teams, good teams, bad teams. Randall watches a lot of regular season NBA basketball, which is fine. If that's your thing, great. Randall has no interest whatsoever, none at all, an active disdain, in fact, for March Madness. And I can't wrap my head around that. Even as a casual basketball fan, who doesn't love Tomorrow and Friday, this first weekend, just wall-to-wall games. doesn't matter if you've got a team in the fight. Fortunately, we both do. It's about cheering for the upsets and the underdogs and those incredible moments at the end of games. I don't understand how you don't like it, but it's not just that he doesn't like it. He actively hates it. And strong disdain for March Madness doesn't make sense to me, Jeremy. doesn't make sense to me either. It's a, it's a, it's a cultural event. It might be the biggest cultural event outside the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, 
Randall won't make a bracket. He will, will not fill out a bracket. If you offer one to him, he said he, he just goes, nah, I'm good. You know, I don't need that in my life. And uh, it's a surprising thought. It's like, who you would think who doesn't fill out a bracket? Well, we you found know, our man. We got our guy, but he's very excited about what's going on in baseball right now. It's been a crazy week for the Cubs and he'll be back next week for number 61. Sammy Sosa going to pop up. I got a feeling as we're in the sixties here, but uh, let's get with the, Hot news today for the Chicago Cubs. Huge move today. We've known in the last 24, 48 hours they were in the running for star Japanese player Seiya Suzuki, and we found out today they got him. Tom Ricketts, last minute there in the deal. He comes into the Chicago Cubs. It's going to be five years, $85 million. You put another 15 in there for the posting fee. It's about $100 million over five years to bring this player. But, Jeremy, this is huge. We've been waiting for a big signing since Stroman, right? But coming out of the CBA, we've been waiting for the Cubs to do something. They went out and not only got one of the best free agent hitters on the market, but this is a young player at 27. He's around for five years, so he's going to help today. He's also going to help down the road when some of these great minor leaguers come up. This is a big day for the Cubs and a good signing. Yeah, it's a good day for the Cubs. It's a good day to be a Cub fan. Uh, you know, a lot of people were fretting a little bit. You know, the Cubs haven't made any major moves. But uh, Seiya Suzuki, or Seiya mm-hmm. Suzuki, uh, coming over from Japan, you know, there was some earlier reporting that he, he was going to San Diego. Yeah. And he went online and he said, no, that's not true. He posted some pictures on his Instagram, went to Twitter, said, I'm not, I haven't decided anything. And then we get the reports last night that, you know, Randall doesn't necessarily trust the man, but the cat man said that Tom Ricketts, was in the meeting and Tom Ricketts was there and, and it showed a, a certain seriousness to it. Like, okay, we want to get this done. The Cubs are interested in getting this done. And, and I, I like it. I, I like it. I warmed up, you know, I, I was skeptical of some previous guys coming over from um, the Asian area. Uh, Hassan Kim, the f- former Korean player who came over, struggled with the Padres. Shogo Akiyama a couple of years ago came over, has tremendously struggled with Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, but uh, this guy, he's younger, Suzuki. He's 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 26, 27 years old. Um, he's shown power over in Japan. Now, I, I don't expect the power to necessarily translate to America. Um, but, you know, Otani came over. He hit uh, – Otani's obviously special hit. Um, so, like, I, I don't know. I, I can see a guy. He's going to hopefully play solid defense. Probably hit something like 280 with, like, a 350-odd base percentage. Hit 20 bombs. So, you know, that's a solid player. And maybe there's more there. Maybe there's more in the power that we that shows up that we don't expect. So I like it. I like, you know, them going out and making a move. Well, I think the financial contribution, everything that goes into it with the posting fee and then a large annual salary, that gives me hope that the Cubs are very optimistic that the power is going to translate. Uh, the ballpark that he played at in Japan, apparently not very good for hitters. Something like it takes away five or six home runs a year. You know how Wrigley Field can play, especially in the summer when the wind is blowing out. It's very intriguing. This is a corner outfielder, great defender, good base runner, something I saw in a scouting report today. He's the kind of guy that goes, takes the extra base or two. We saw that so much with Chris Bryant, with all of those good Cubs teams. What an incredible attribute that is. But a good defender, immediately right field is a huge upgrade from Jason Hayward here to Suzuki and a chance for some legitimate power and pop in the lineup. And you bring up the point, too, about some of the other Japanese and other Korean players that have come over to baseball. It is different because, to your point, he is younger. It's going to be obvious for Cubs fans or natural for Cubs fans to immediately think, okay, 
Kosuke Fukudome, right? That was the last big Japanese power hitter or everyday player that the Cubs signed 15 years ago. He was 31 his rookie year with the Cubs. Suzuki here is going into the prime of his athletic life, 27, 28, 29 years old. So we may see a player that gets better his first year or two, where we saw with Kosuke, things kind of leveled out there and then got bad at the end. So it isn't fair to make that comparison. I'm certainly not saying that. I'm just saying this guy is younger. He's coming into the prime of his career. And it's just so exciting to see somebody coming in. Like if, if he was a minor leaguer, this would be the Cubs' number one prospect. It's like you have a brand new top prospect now in the organization. He's got opening day a month or two before Brennan Davis is up. So lots to be excited about here. Very much so. And, and you mentioned Jason Hayward. I uh, Reportedly, he was taking some center field reps today in spring training. So I, I see you not being uh, yeah, super high that. on that. But <laughs> I, I think it shows that they plan for Suzuki to primarily be in right field. I think they're... You know, that, that shows the plan. And, and as I say, like, the thing is, I think he'll be a good hitter. I think he's going to come over. I think what I said is kind of like a baseline, to be uh, to be honest. And and maybe there's more in there. So maybe, like, maybe he does play to an all-star level, which would be tremendous if you're a Cubs fan or, you know, on the team. Uh, and I, I like it. You know, we, the Cubs have a lot of money. We've said this a hundred yeah. times. They need they need to show something. They need to spend some of it. They're there a lot of money came off the uh, the books after last year. They need to go out there, and I think Jed is serious. Now, are there still moves that need to be made? Absolutely. They're, the Cubs can't stop now, um, but I, I do think I you know if the money's right and they brought, they're going to spend it. And I think they showed that with Seiya Suzuki. I think they targeted a guy they liked him, and you could make the argument. While I don't necessarily that you know Strowman, you could argue was the best pitcher on the market I, I i personally i don't believe that but others have put him up there as being the best pitcher on the market and you could argue that suzuki is the best outfielder on the market that there's not a better outfielder and you could say the cubs went out there and got both of them i mean they've spent that's 170 million dollars right there they've they've spent so um it's nice to see them making that move absolutely uh and just giving out a big contract and giving you a taste that some of these guys are going to be around for a while. I mean, we are sort of expecting or hoping that either Nico or Madrigal will be going to be around for a while. There's a lot of uncertainty about Wilson, who's in his final year here. So it's good to lock somebody in and somebody that you anticipate is going to satisfy two things here. One, be a competitive team this year. This isn't going to be the best Cubs team we've seen, but they ought to be in contention for a wild card spot. And to your point, if they can add a couple of more guys here, starting pitcher, maybe another shortstop, maybe they can sneak in as that extra wild card team. But you also figure he's going to be around as this next generation of Cubs talent's going to come up. So I think this is fantastic. It's good to see the Cubs being aggressive here. I'm curious though, he had a lot of options. There's a lot of places that somebody of this caliber and this skill set could go to. We had heard so much about San Diego in the 24 hours leading up to this. What do you think it was about Chicago that, that put them, was it just money? Or was it the fact that Tom Ricketts got involved? I mean, how do you get someone like this to make this huge life transition and land in Chicago, of all places? It, it's hard to, to really know uh, what would go into a decision like that. I, I do think that money and perhaps Tom Ricketts' level of involvement did play into it. I think that, um, you know, some, the initial reports, the initial reporting on the Padres deal was 570, which actually ended up being equal 
to the initial reporting on the Cubs deal. Then it came out that the Cubs was more 585 plus the posting fee. Um, so perhaps the Cubs did top that. Maybe that was the Padres number and the Cubs went farther. Um, but also, you know, there, I mean, there were a lot of teams. There were a lot of teams that were seemingly interested in Suzuki. I think the Giants were interested in him. Uh, they ended up saying signing Jock Peterson today, but I, I do think he that was kind of a priority for them. I think you know perhaps some of those other West Coast teams like the Dodgers. So it's it, it is it is interesting to see that he did sign with the Cubs. And one thing I would say is that who knows maybe something like you Darvish uh, played into it. You know, seeing that uh, a former Japanese player, uh, the how he was in the community, how he was you know treated in Chicago. Maybe that's something that comes up. It's like, okay, we did this with you, Darvish. I'm sure Jed and, and, and Tom brought that up. I'm sure they showed him like the history they have with other Japanese players. It's actually not just you, Darvish. The Cubs have had a, a lot of Japanese players over the yeah. past few years, especially under the uh, uh, you know, Tsuyoshi Wada being one, Koji Uehara uh, coming in, some other, there's been some other names that uh, I think Kuji Fujikawa, so, like, the Cubs have had Japanese players, so maybe they've shown him, like, hey, this is not actually um, an interesting thing. Was I saw, um, I saw a Suzuki on doing an interview with Koji Ujihara on YouTube a few months ago, and Ujihara had his had his gold uh, yeah. <laughs> Cubs jersey hanging from opening day 2017. Uh, and so maybe that's something. Maybe talk to Ujihara about it. You know. There were some reports that Suzuki had a long meeting with Darvish in the last couple of days or so. And I'd like to think that even though Darvish gets traded, I, I think he had a good time in Chicago, right? Like, I think he enjoyed his experience. He seemed to really get things figured out, too, once he got healthy and was pitching very well. But he embraced the city, the fan base. That's good to see. And this could lead to more talent coming in from Japan to the Cubs. If this works out well, if he can build a good uh, following in Chicago, which no question, this guy's going to be a fan favorite from day one at Wrigley Field, that could lead to more talent or more inroads and in bringing talent out of Japan. And that's very encouraging to me because there's a ton of great baseball talent out there and just an awesome culture of baseball as well. So all around, I think this is worth celebrating. This is This is a fun day. To be a Cubs fan, this is a guy that everybody's going to enjoy seeing at the ballpark. You know there's going to be some incredible defensive moments, the excitement of walk-off home runs. You just hope that this works out because everything around it is exciting and fun, and that's what baseball should be. And it's cool when these foreign players come in and really make a name for themselves in a city like Chicago. you got to love that. Yeah, definitely. I think it's definitely going to be fun to see a player like Suzuki five years. Hopefully the Cubs really do become winners over that time period. And I, and you know, it adds another bat to the lineup and a bat. I think the Cubs sorely needed. Well, he played in the highest level in Japan from 2018 to 2021 hit 319 with nearly a 600 slugging percentage, 122 home runs. But this is something that I like to see nearly as many walks, 351 as strikeouts, 359. So if he's patient, if he's got some power, good defense, he's absolutely going to contribute to the team. And we're seeing war estimates of maybe two to three war is expected of him. But on the higher end, a possibility that this could be a four or five war player year in and year out. You become a perennial all-star, you're helping bring division championships to Chicago. So I think all of that should give Cubs fans a lot of excitement here at this stage in spring training. Yeah, he seems like a type of guy that that could be successful coming over from Japan. He doesn't he doesn't seem like you know he swings 
at too many pitches that are, you know, he doesn't get himself out. He he's very selective. So I I'm excited for him. And plus I will, I've always had a thing for, you know, the, 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 the bat flips they do over there in, yeah. in, uh, in Japan and Korea and those types of countries or those countries, excuse me. And it's, it always seems fun. And it just kind of always seemed like it's almost like part of the swing. Like, you know, they, they hit a ball and, and the flip comes out. So hopefully Suzuki breaks out a co- couple of cool bat flips. This podcast pro bat flips. We want much, much more of that uh, is a right-handed batter. And I think that that highlights something though here. Where are the left-handed bats coming in this Cubs lineup right now? Uh, he would, supplement or replace rather Jason Hayward you imagine is the primary right fielder Ian Happ uncertain if he's going to be back for opening day I think that's got to be something the front office is looking at right now hmm if only there was a left-handed power bat maybe an Indiana Hoosier that could have fit into the mix for the Cubs even Jock Peterson for six million dollars maybe would have been good to get a lefty in the lineup it seems like that's something they still need to address well I I have a name that probably came out you know a guy from Oregon State who I think would fit in pretty nicely, and that would be Michael Conforto, mm. I think, as a left-handed bat. He had a little bit of a down season last year, but I think as a left-handed bat, he could come in, fill a role. You know, the one thing is, like, I was open to Schwarber uh, because the universal DH is here. So I, I – and you, if let's say we want to bring in another infielder as well. Like, the Cubs have – they have more flexibility with their offensive options. So like a guy like Conforto, I think, you know, you could bring him in, you could DH him, you could hit him uh, in the outfield. You could DH one of the other outfielders. So to me, I think a guy like, well, if there is another left-handed bat out there uh, by the name of Freddie Freeman. The Cubs could get yeah, involved sure. with, but a guy like Conforto, I think would fit really well with this Cubs roster. Well, it certainly seems like a lefty is necessary. We'll talk a little bit more about Schwarber. He gets the big deal in Philly, another left-handed batter. Anthony Rizzo gets a perhaps modest deal from the New York Yankees. We'll certainly get into that, but we want to stay here with the current Cubs. Any other thoughts on Suzuki or anything that you want to add there? We're certainly going to get Randall's thoughts next week, but today, day of celebration, anything else we're missing on that front today? Um, for me, it's just, I, I think it's going to be fun to see how the fans react to say Suzuki. Yeah. I think the, we all know how they all reacted to Kosuke and some other players that have come through. And I think Seiya will be, you know, a fun guy that the fans really rally behind. And so that'll be, that'll be fun to see. Agreed. You're going to see a lot of Suzuki jerseys out at the ballpark. You'll see a lot of Stroman jerseys out at Wrigley Field this year and certainly still plenty of Rizzo, Bryant, buys. I don't think those are ever going to go away and they shouldn't ever go away, but it is nice to see some new names popping into the mix up there along with the wisdom and the Schwindel jerseys that we're going to see out at the friendly confines all season long, but we're excited. Can't wait to get Randall's thoughts on this. Um, He was definitely in a good mood this morning when that news broke. Although talk about a man who was very cautious when David Kaplan is reporting things. Randall's like, ah, don't tell me. I don't want to hear it. I don't believe it. But eventually Rosenthal and uh, Passan and those guys came through and Randall came around on it as well. Yeah, Randall has very selective, and to be fair, very yep. selective uh, people he only wants to hear from. If you if you send a Bob Nightingale tweet to Randall, oh boy, or yeah, you're gonna you're gonna hear about it. Well, the Cubs have been busy, not just the big signing today with Suzuki, but really addressing the bullpen, adding a whole bunch of pitchers here in the last couple of days, including a former face in Jesse Chavez, part of the team a couple seasons ago. Let's start, though. Uh, I got some cold play puns. I'm going to work into this. That's going to be a thing all season long. Chris Martin, though, 
soon to be 36 year old relief pitcher spent the last couple of years in Atlanta. This move got my attention. And this is a guy who doesn't walk a lot of people, Jeremy. When I saw that, I said, okay, for a cheap veteran relief pitcher, you're not going to walk a ton of guys. I get behind that. Yeah. He's an older player. He kind of didn't break into the majors until he was older. Um, I agree with you. He doesn't really walk a lot of uh, pitchers. He seems like he has a very, a really good changeup. Excuse me, a lot of batters. Seems like he has a very good changeup. Um, you know, coming off a little bit of a down year last year, as all these kind of guys, the Cubs picked up a little bit are uh, uh, for the relief for their bullpen. But uh, you know, he seems like an interesting uh, arm, and and, uh, and I like this kind of bargain shopping. Um, that the Cubs have proven kind of a proven track record with their pitch lab of, of really working with guys. Some of these guys will succeed, some won't, but I like the idea that you can go in, you can get all these guys to compete and some of them will succeed. Some of them will break out. And I like Chris Martin as an addition to this bullpen. I think since he doesn't walk guys and hopefully he can get some of that strikeout rate back, he, he can be pretty good. Modest deal too, just two and a half million dollars. So like, who cares, right? If it doesn't work out, it doesn't matter. It's not going to fry the team or anything like that. And if you got somebody who can get you some outs, that could be very valuable. Even if you fall out of it, this could be a potential trade piece. But we don't want to think that way. We want this team to be competitive and not necessarily selling off in July. Uh, any Coldplay puns you can work in here? I mean, you got the songs like Fix You. Okay, you can see how that ties into a relief pitcher. Don't panic. You don't want your relief pitcher to be in trouble. Uh, probably a joke in here about pitch clocks, clocks being a big single. You just know all season long it's going to be cold play puns when Chris Martin is on the mound pitching. Uh, yeah, it's going to be cold play puns when Chris Martin's on the mound. Hopefully, uh, you know, no Apple Martin puns. But uh, maybe uh, he's, if he's getting the pitch lab, he could work with and be a scientist and get it all done. You know, I always like that song because uh, they got Willie Nelson doing it at the Chipotle commercial. So I, I think that's pretty good. You made a point earlier, too. I do think it's worth revisiting. Really didn't make it in the major leagues until his age 32 season. He made his debut back in 2014, 28 years old, when he made his major league debut, part of 16 games, all in relief for the Rockies. Yankees the next year, he was out of major league baseball 2016 and 2017, and then he's been a mainstay since 2018. So a guy who at 32 resurrects his career, pitched for Texas, Last three years in Atlanta, now gets to pitch for the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley Field. Cool story there. And always awesome. You see that perseverance in an athlete who really doesn't make it until what should be almost the end of their career. He's still going, and now he gets a chance for $2.5 million to work into the Cubs bullpen mix this year. Yeah, and he also pitched in Japan. So uh, maybe he has familiarity with a guy like Suzuki. Who knows? Um, I'm not, you know, I don't know. And it's always cool to me to see guys like that that have had their struggles, you know, maybe took a long time to make majors, had to go to indie ball, had to go to Japan, foreign country, come back and had success. So, uh, you know, he's a World Series champion now. So I, I'm rooting for him as well. How about this, too? The Cubs making another big league move today with regards to the bullpen. And this was a name that I went, oh, yeah. That guy, and now he's played for the Cubs, David Robertson. Uh, missed some time the last couple of years. He pitched just a tiny bit last year for the Rays. Tommy John in 2019, missed the 2020 season. Cubs get him at $3.5 million, another million and a half in incentives. But here's a guy who's pitched for a ton of teams, Yankees, White Sox, Philadelphia. Haven't really seen him consistently since 2018, and the Cubs are giving him $3.5 million to see what's in the tank in the bullpen. What do you think about Robertson? 
I like this signing. I, I, he's older as well. Um, formerly a very successful relief pitcher. He got a major contract from uh, the White Sox. Didn't quite succeed with the White Sox. Went back to New York, kind of found it again. Last we saw him in 2018, really, he, he was still a very effective pitcher. He was very good. Um, then the Tommy John hit, and he hasn't really pitched the last three years. Uh, he had a little bit of time with the Rays last year. He actually pitched in the Olympics last year, which I thought was pretty interesting. Right. He had uh, two saves um, as one of the older guys. You know, it was a team mostly of young minor leaguers, but they had a few older guys on there, and David Robertson was one of them. And so uh, I like – I like you know, we talk about taking these flyers. I, I think he's another interesting guy to take a flyer on. And if the stuff's there, which it looked like kind of last year, like his stuff looks – just, you know, it was limited time, but just looking at the movement and the exit velo, or excuse me, just the the velo, it all kind of looks similar to how it was in 2018. So why not see him bring him in camp? He, yeah. He's experienced and, hey, Cubs don't really have a closer. So maybe David Robinson, can, he's done that role in the past. Maybe he can figure it out. That's a great point. There are plenty of names in the Cubs bullpen, but you don't have the Kimbrel anymore. That guy that you know in the ninth inning is going to have it. Robertson has been in the majors for 13 years, 673 games in Major League Baseball. Uh, all have come for him in relief. No, oh no, he started one game. I'm sorry, for Tampa Bay. It must have been an opener type yeah, of a situation must have been an opener. Yeah, because everything else is in relief. But the point I was trying to get that, only seven games in his career have come in the National League. So pretty much everything for him has been in the AL, had seven games for the Phillies back in 2019 when he was 34, and now he gets the Chicago Cubs with an incredible opportunity to be either a, a big-time late-inning guy or, yeah, the closer for the Cubs this season. This is a great deal, very low risk. Either something is there and you've got potentially a really good arm or it doesn't work out and not the end of the world. Tommy Hadovy has been very good at making things work with relief pitchers that you thought were done why not take a flyer here on David Robertson? This could really pay off. Yeah, I agree. I I, I really like when I saw this move, I was like, huh, I forgot that he was still around. But then thinking about it, I liked it. I like, I like, you know, he is a name, so maybe that gets thrown back at me. But like he was a very successful pitcher for a long time. We haven't really seen him since the Tommy John surgery. But even looking back at last year, like his the limited time he had with the race, his strikeout numbers were high, his walk numbers were basically kind of in line where his career numbers are. So maybe there's something there. Maybe he's really coming back from his Tommy John. Well, another player the Cubs got today, and I need your help here because I don't see anything here that's really all that interesting other than it's cheap. Uh, Steven Brault, we've seen him as a Pittsburgh Pirate. You've seen him singing national anthems at some Major League Baseball games. He is a lefty, but I, what should I be excited about here with Steven Brault? Looking at the numbers, not a whole lot capturing my attention. This was one that when I saw it, I, I kind of felt the same as you. I was like, Stephen Brault, you know, we, we're hoping the Cubs are signing another starter. And then you see Stephen Brault come across and you're like, oh, maybe it's a minor league deal. Nope, it's a major league deal. The one thing about Brault is he still has an option. So it's not like necessary that he's going to or, you know, uh, it's not certain he'll make the major league roster. I mean, he still has to prove it. Uh, he did have a year, I think, the year before last year where he was kind of successful, pitched pretty well. Uh, I don't, to me, it's, I'm almost thinking like, is the, would he be interesting in the bullpen? Could he come out as a lefty arm? Yeah. Uh, maybe he's multiple inning guy. Uh, you know, I mean, you have the three bare minimum now, so you need lefties that could pitch to both sides. But my, my hope and my expectation is this is not the Cubs move, you know, because Adbert's going to be out for a while that that's going to like replace, or they need more 
rotation depth. I mean, it's definitely a depth piece, but I'm hoping the Cubs do more because Stephen Brault, you know, we we as much as he can sing, I guess, I I, <laughs> I would like a little more from the Cubs if they're trying to address their starting pitching needs. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't want this guy penciled into the starting rotation. About half of his appearances in Major League Baseball have been as starts. So he's got plenty of experience in the bullpen, kind of a swingman guy. Cubs have some serious holes in that starting rotation when you're just saying, hey, Alec Mills, you've earned a spot in the starting rotation. Well, have you earned it because of your performance? Have you earned it because there's just not other bodies there to fill out a five-man rotation, plus all the extra stuff that you need? There's scheduled doubleheaders this year. There's injuries. It's a weird spring training. You're going to need some extra starters. So on that front, okay, but I just don't want this guy being in the starting five come opening day. And certainly, prove me wrong, uh, guy does have a local connection, at least here to Denver, played his college ball at Regis University, a rival university of the uh, school I work at here in downtown Denver. Uh, but that's kind of cool to see. There's not a ton of major league talent that works its way through the front range here. Steven brought one of them, and maybe he figures it out. He's still relatively young, 29 years old. He's going to turn 30 this season. Anytime you got a lefty, you never know. Those guys can make miraculous things happen with their careers. You just don't want to count too much on a guy like this coming into the season. And if it's filler, He's got an option. Get him back down to Iowa if he's not performing well. That should be okay. I just shouldn't be an everyday guy. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. And, like, you know, we're talking about penciling in our rotation. Uh, you know, I, I'd rather see King and Thompson. I'd rather see Justin yeah. Steele than uh, Stephen Brault if he's going to be on the team in, in the rotation. Alec Mills, I think, has done more probably turn his spot all with the Cubs than Stephen Brault has. So, uh, you know, as you mentioned, they're going to need depth. You'll, you always need pitching depth. And you, as you said, start. it's going to be an interesting season. We're going longer into October uh, after a short uh, ramp up kind of. So, you know, I understand that need. You're going to want probably as many pitchers as you can get, but I'm just hoping they're not relying on Brault in any major way this upcoming season. Yeah. I still need at least one free agent starting pitcher. I'd love to see at least two and maybe a trade two gets worked out. Um, It seems like there are some teams, Oakland, They've got a couple of young pitchers. Everybody seems to be for sale with Oakland. The Reds have decimated their team. Maybe the Cubs can go out and get a guy like Manaya from Oakland. Put that arm in the starting rotation. A guy with some Midwest ties here as well. So that would be neat to see. Uh, yeah, another arm Oakland has is Frankie Montes, a former White Sox yeah. prospect. So that would be another arm uh, that I, I think either of those guys would make a lot of sense for the Cubs. Well, how about this old vet? guy whose career I thought was over about five years ago. Now he's a defending World Series champion. Jesse Chavez saw him with the Cubs back in 2018, was with the Braves to win that title last year. Cubs giving him a minor league deal. Why not? See what's there. Uh, he was fun for that 2018 Cubs team. A guy you wanted to see do well. I was pulling for him in the World Series. Now he can maybe bring one back to Chicago too. He fits right in with, uh, you know, also from the Atlanta bullpen with Chris Martin and David Robertson. And yeah, I liked him as well in 2018. I, th I thought he pitched pretty well for the Cubs and he, you know, a minor league deal is not really that big of a deal. I kind of expect him to make the roster. I, I think that he's going to come in and pitch pretty well, pitched pretty well for Atlanta last year. So I, I really like this move and, uh, you know, I, to get Chavez on a minor league deal, I, I like it a lot and he's 38 years old. So he is definitely older. But I, I think that he fits in well with the, what the Cubs are trying to do with the bullpen. Absolutely no risk here. And you catch lightning in the bottle, win-win. Uh, I think pitching staffs are really going to get pushed this year 
with uh, the weird schedule and weird spring training and just the way things go, right? Pitchers are throwing harder than ever. So you want to have as much depth as possible there. Um, something else that has been impacting the Cubs here as spring training gets going, we're going to have a spring training game tomorrow. St. Patrick's Day, Cubs letting things go too, in fact, tomorrow and then another one Friday. And then here we go, the buildup towards opening day at Wrigley Field. Uh, injury news beginning to pile up for the Cubs. Some of this we knew about. Like David Bodie, he had shoulder surgery back in November. We know he's going to miss some extended time. But some other things that we didn't know about, uh, Ian Happ, elbow surgery in February. He seems confident he's going to be back for opening day. That could be a blow, though, Jeremy. Ian Happ is critical to this 2022 Cubs team. Definitely need him to be healthy, and we need him to start hitting consistently like the player and prospect that we thought he was going to be. I agree with you. And and the one good thing is that it does seem like he's going to be healthy for opening day. He's, he's already, you know, he's been swinging in, in spring training. So it's not like he's been sitting out, not doing things. So I, 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 I really, I don't really think it's going to be a huge issue. It was just to kind of clean out his elbow. It wasn't like a major surgery. It was just kind of, you know, make sure everything's all right in there, get some of the dirty stuff out. I think it was to remove some bone spurs. Um, so it does seem like he'll be back. Uh, and he, he said that's been kind of hurting him for a couple of years now. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, now that it's a clean elbow, he, he, he hits a little better or performs a little better. And, but you're right. I mean, the Cubs don't have, we mentioned they have a lot of holes on there. So when you have one guy who's, who's struggled a little bit, but has also had some pretty good times with like Ian Happ, you, you need him out there as much as you can. You know, you said that it's kind of been bugging him for a couple of years now. He said he's been dealing with this since 2019. And I got to be honest with you, Jeremy, it's certainly possible that he, I, I did see this at some point in the last few years and forgot about it. But I, I don't remember hearing about this. Like, I, he's been dealing with this for three years. Goodness, it's about time he's having surgery and getting this thing cleared out. Maybe he's going to feel like a better player here once this finally gets cleared out. But I just feel like I haven't heard much about that the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I feel like I haven't heard much about that uh, either. And it's kind of something that comes back to me that maybe it's like a pandemic related thing, you know, where like they weren't really doing kind of like elective surgery. So maybe, you know, if it's been bugging him since 2019, that's 2020, 2021. Maybe now was kind of the time he really had a freedom to really do it. So that's just what I'm thinking. I don't know if that's <laughs> played a part in it, but um so, but it's it's nice to get it cleaned out, and it's nice to see him swinging in spring training. And and I think yeah. Ian Happ is, you know, they got Suzuki now in the outfield, as we mentioned. So maybe he's primed to have a big year, hopefully. Well, he is the one batter I'm most excited to watch, other than Suzuki. Like Suzuki's got all the flair, big free agent, tons of energy and excitement around that. But we've been waiting for that breakout season from Ian Happ. He's had months at a time that he's been a very good player. He's also struggled uh, considerably at times in a Chicago Cubs uniform. It's kind of now or never too. Like, is this going to be a player that's going to be around and contributing? Or is this somebody who isn't really going to pan out? I think we're going to get an answer to that question. And this season's going to be a big part of it. So let's get him healthy. Let's put him out there and come on, Ian, like let it rip. City has been waiting to blow up for this guy. I think he's beloved in the fan base. Fans still seem to be rallying around him, but it's time for him to make that next step that we haven't really seen yet over the course of a full season. 
they somehow need to convince him that April is really August. It's a different A month. <laughs> right. Uh, Cause it seems like in half has always been pretty dynamite from like August on uh, even last year, the pandemic year uh, when he was down in April came to come out, he was dynamite in all those months uh, at the end of the season. So it always seems like he gets off to a slow start. And so somehow if we get him to realize that, you know, it's the second half of the season and, and the first half that yeah. maybe in half will be pretty successful. I feel like his spring trainings too are always like, damn, yeah. he's hitting the ball out of the park. He's slapping it around the field. Of course, the first pitch home run in Miami a couple years Amazing. ago. It's an awesome moment. Awesome moment to start a season. Uh, Ian Happ, big fans here on this pod, and we want to see him really make that step this year. Um, here's an injury that I'm very worried about because anytime you're talking about the shoulder, that's bad news for a pitcher. Uh, Randall always grabbing the shoulder. Looks like he's got some discomfort there. I, don't, I, you know, it's one thing if Randall's got shoulder problems. I don't want Adbert having shoulder problems. Strained lat, expected to miss at least two months. This is an injury that he suffered back in 2018 as well that made him miss four months. This could be very serious, Jeremy, and this is not what we want to hear for a player that has a lot of excitement like Adbert. It's not what we want to hear at all, especially for not just the player, but for a roster that has struggled, um, that will struggle with, with starting pitching. Uh, you you take out one of your kind of high upside guys, a guy who actually has potential to strike some batters out. Um, it, it's, it's, you know, throw 95 miles per hour. It, it's pretty disappointing, um, and it, it's not good. It didn't sound good. Uh, the Cubs seem pretty clear and upfront that this is not something that, you know, when they're talking about Ian Happ, they're like, oh, you know, opening day, he'll be back. He's fine. But when it was at Bird they're like, no, this is, he's going to be on the IL for, I think yeah. they're back to calling it the DL or IL uh, for, for a long time, uh, two months at least. And so that's disappointing. You know, you have a guy who's a young guy who's come in and he's just had struggles. He's had a lot of injury struggles. It, it, it pushed back his call up. He will, he probably would have been called up sooner, but he had injury struggles and then he got called up. He had injury so the last couple of years. So, and it hasn't, it hasn't really all been one thing. It's not like he had any Tommy John surgery, whatever. It's just been kind of some strains and pulls and uh, it's disappointing. Um, you know, even Marcus Stroman was disappointed today saying that, you know, this looked like a guy, he's a fun guy. He's a high upside guy. And it's disappointing to see what he has to go through. Absolutely. And, you know, it feels like he and Marcus have, built a great friendship already in just the last couple of weeks. Um, Stroman, in fact, got interviewed about, wow, how are you taking the news about Abbott going down with this injury? So that's disappointing. Like, I wanted to see those guys out every fifth day. Like, here we are saying, I don't want to see Stephen Brault every fifth day. I wanted to see Abbott out there, hopefully making it as a starter. The best bet for him still may be the bullpen, and maybe he'll end up being a very good relief pitcher, but we need him to be healthy, and we want to see him out on the mound. And uh, I don't know that there's a pitcher the fans are more excited about coming into this year than Marcus Stroman. Abbott would have been up on that list. This is a bummer with the potential of being very bad. Shoulder injuries, elbow injuries, not at all what you need with pitching. So you got to be careful here and you hope the Cubs will be cautious, get him back and health will be on his side from here on out. Yeah, definitely. You know, we really, it really puts a, a damper kind of on things with the, with the rotation. Uh, you know, we're talking about how the Cubs need to add starter. Well, now we kind of need to add more because Abbott's going to be out. So it's not like we're starting from even farther back. So uh, it's just disappointing all around. Uh, you, you wish the best for Abbott. Well, Jeremy, we're recording this on March 16th, day before St. Patrick's Day. We've got a long way to go still in spring training, about three and a half weeks or so from opening day. What's the biggest priority 
right now with the Chicago Cubs. They got plenty of money still to spend. Where do you go? What needs to be addressed between now and opening day? I I think it's that. I think it's they need another pitcher. And yeah. I don't know where you go with that because the pitchers that are currently out there are not, you know, necessarily the highest end pitchers. I would have liked to have seen Zach Greinke. We talked about, uh, you know, the cat man said they were kicking the tires on him, uh, but uh, he ended up in Kansas city. Yeah, I'm not exactly. Home. Yeah. Going back oh, to full circle. Yeah. Full circle. Uh, where he won his first sale. Uh, it's not, you know, I don't, I, I, Johnny Cueto's out there as a name. There's some other guys that are kind of, you know, some risky options that were coming off injuries. I drew, an old friend, Drew Smiley, is out there. Um, but I think it's that. I think I think if the Cubs could really get a pitcher, another strikeout quality pitcher for the rotation, and then you add another bat, um, as I mentioned, Michael Conforto, I think, would really fit with this roster. I think you're kind of in the kind of the play, the kind of the talk that we all kind of expected. You know, it's a you're probably in third place in the division. It's probably, you know, not a team that's going to really necessarily expect to compete for the division. But who knows? Maybe something breaks the right way. I mean, the Cardinals are dealing with some injuries in their rotation. Jack Flaherty's out. Um, so who knows what happens with certain teams? So I, I think if you add a, a a bat a left-handed bat and a strikeout pitcher to the rotation you know you put yourself in with a six team kind of playoff now another wild card hey like an 81 82 83 win team can that team make the playoffs probably let's add this to it the cubs have about 40 games this year against the pirates and the reds it's a quarter of your schedule that's a really good thing. Now, that also means that the Cardinals and the Brewers get 40 games against each of those teams, and it's certainly going to inflate their win totals. But you're looking at the Cubs going, okay, how do you get from 40 wins to 80 to 85 wins? Put yourself sort of comfortably in that wild card race. Yeah, starting pitching is definitely where you need to go. And where I'm annoyed here is Carlos Rodon. How nice would he fit into this starting rotation? And to get a deal of just 244 to go to San Francisco – undoubtedly without question i give it to him and he helps the cubs going into this year randall and i talked about that last week when you were out your debauchery in north carolina would you have given that deal to rodon do you think he would have helped fill in the gap here uh i liked carlos rodon i wanted carlos don to be signed by the cubs uh that deal is a little kind of rich. I feel like I, I don't know. I don't. It seems kind of weird that the White Sox didn't offer a qualifying offer, which makes me kind of skeptical of how healthy Rodon is, especially the way he ended last season. But yeah, I wanted Rodon back in the rotation. The one thing I think that's weird about that deal is uh, he has an opt out after the first year, but that opt out vests if he he um, pitches a certain amount of innings. It's like if he pitches like 110 innings or something, then he gets that opt out, which I feel like is weird because if he doesn't pitch that amount of innings then he's guaranteed to stay for you. But if he doesn't pitch that amount of innings, it probably means he was hurt or injured or struggled. So yeah. why would you want him around? So like, it's kind of like, I feel like almost the, the incentive is almost backwards there. It's kind of like a weird situation. I feel like. Well, yeah, maybe it helped convince him to go two years. I don't yeah. know what else was out there. I mean, the problem with Rodon, and this was the point Randall made last week is, is he healthy? Can he stay healthy? And and you mentioned it too. I mean, you're giving $44 million to a guy that has just simply not consistently remained healthy. When he's on the mound, very good pitcher, but arm health is a concern. So that was where Randall was had some trepidation a week ago. I just felt like that was a missed opportunity because the Cubs have so much money 
to work with still. I mean, their payroll right now is in the 100 to 30 to 140 million dollar range. Uh, put another 10 or 15 millions on top of that with regards to the tax and how all that works. They still have a ton of money to work with. And it doesn't have to be a situation where you give a guy a five-year, six-year deal and you're bogged down with a bad contract. You can overpay for a year or two for someone like Rodon and maybe he is the difference in winning a wild card or not. So that felt like a missed opportunity. Again, I think you call Oakland and say, hey, you got some young pitchers. What do you want? The fire sale is on in Oakland. As horrible as that is, maybe the Cubs can take advantage of it. Oh, uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, the Cubs have tons of money and, and you know, they're, I mean, their payroll is what? 20, $30 million behind the White Sox right now. So yeah. the, the Cubs should be spending. And so, yeah, you're right. You know, it, it, it's not like that money would have kind of, prevented the Cubs from doing something else. So uh, a two-year $44 million deal for a team like the Cubs in the position they're in, it's really not that big of a deal. So I, I absolutely agree with you there. Um, you know, and just talking about money and talking about how I, we talked earlier about getting a left-handed bat, this is a, uh, something that Randall's not going to approve of. But, you know, there's that talk of if that Hosmer might be on the on the trading block if they pair him with a prospect, a guy like a Robert Hassel. And, you know, the Cubs have that ability. They have that payroll. Uh, is, is like a three-year whatever uh, he has left, probably, you know, $90 million, probably less than that, but somewhere around there. Is that the worst contract for – I mean, it's not a good contract, but you're getting a top prospect like a Robert Hassel back to, you know, kind of pay for that. So, you know, you put him at first base, it's just another kind of guy that you hope, Hey, maybe that, maybe they'll add another extra win or two and the Cubs can afford it. Um, I I think that's kind of a deal you, you should explore. I I would do that. Uh, Robert Hassel would be at the top of my list. Big, big fan. I think that guy's going to be awesome. And because I have to throw this in there, OTP legend. The guy is killing it. Every season, every campaign I do, I trade for Robert Hassel always works out for the team I'm with. Uh, But back to real life and things that actually matter here. Um, The the thing with Hosmer is you're looking at like confidently $60 million in sunk cost, right? Like the negative value right there. So you need to, so yeah, getting a guy like Robert Hassel would be great, but I I think you need more. Uh, In fact, too, you got to almost kind of make up that difference a little bit in the minus $60 million that you're kind of taking. So will the Cubs make that call? Maybe will the Padres get more desperate because they've missed out on a couple of big names uh, from Suzuki, Chris Bryant going to the Rockies. We'll get to that here in a minute. Maybe the Padres are beginning to think, Hey, we need to do something here and they'll throw more than just hassle into a move to get rid of Hosmer. And then if you're the Cubs, I think you really got to take an honest look at that and say, yeah, this makes sense for us. Well, the thing about Hosmer as well, like he's not worth what he's paid. I mean, he's tremendously not worth what he's paid. But he's not a negative. Like last year, he had a one-win season. You know, it, it, he's not negative player. He gives you a little bit of production. So it's not like you're putting a guy out that's terrible. You're putting a guy out who's just clearly not worth his giant contract. Um, and who knows? Maybe there's more there. He's had a couple four-win seasons in the past. He actually had a pretty good 2020 in a shortened season. So, like, you, you get that. And then, as you said, uh, uh, we mentioned Robert Hassel. Maybe more than that. I actually think, you know, for a team like the Cubs that are in the position they are now, they have all of this money. To me, it's I would use it to buy a prospect like that, especially if we're talking about what's the next great Cubs, you know, team. It's probably 2023, 2024. And we have this kind of young group of prospects that are coming up. You you buy a prospect, you get a guy who can, you know, a veteran 
leader on the, if you want to call him a leader on the field, a guy, whatever, but, and they have so much money that where, where else is it going to go? I guess that's the point. It was the point you made with Carlos Rodon. It's like, where else is that money going to go if you're not spending it on this? So if it comes down, yeah, if it comes, (laughs) yeah, Chelsea. I, I, no offense to the soccer players, but I'd rather spend on baseball players. If it comes down to, you know, that money not being spent or being spent somewhere else or the Cubs buying a prospect by putting Eric Hosmer on the the field, I, every time I would choose Eric Hosmer on the field with a prospect. How are you feeling right now about Jed? Like, confidence high? You happy with what you're seeing right now? I'm happy with what I'm seeing right now because here's the thing about Jed. I, I, first of all, I feel like he's been kind of brutally honest, and I've always kind of felt that way about Theo. It's like he says what he said, and he's kind of done what he said. Like he said, we're going to add players. They've been adding players. He said, we're going to spend money, but we're going to spend it intelligently. Uh, they spent money on Strowman. They spent money on Suzuki. Do they need to do more? Yes, I, I think they definitely need to do more. But what Jed has said – They've done, and we're probably going to get into this a little bit, but, you know, the Cubs got a lot of crap for kind of low-balling, let's say, Anthony Rizzo, which Jed made that offer, or, or they had some other kind of, you know, with Chris Bryant, which was obviously Theo and Jed and and Javi Baez, but, like, they made kind of fair off. In my opinion, they made kind of fair offers, and when the time came, Jed made the decision, you know what, these guys aren't going to sign. This team's not winning. I could play this string out. I could play out the rest of the year, but more than likely, this team's not winning right now. They've struggled. They haven't. They haven't played to their ability in a couple of years. They've. He made the tough call to go out there and make the trade and get the young talent, get the pieces, and he made it with the Darvish deal. We all hated the Darvish deal, but there's some real pieces there. He's identified guys. He's brought them in. He's made the trade. Like to be honest, some of the trades he made. He got Kevin Alcantara, uh, Kevin Alcantara, excuse me, Kevin Alcantara for Anthony Rizzo, like a guy who's only got a two-year, a thirty-two million dollar contract on here. So that that's a pretty good trade. He got Pete Crow Armstrong for Javi Baez. So like he's made some really solid trades. I, in my opinion, we'll see how they play out. So yeah. I'm, it's easy to hate on what Jed has done because we all saw guys we love leave, and we all saw the 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 payroll going down. And Jed's obviously going to be the face of that. And Theo left because Theo knew it was coming. And Jed is going to be the face of that. He's got to own it. But I have faith in Jed. I think Jed is a smart guy, and I think he's been honest, and I think he's done what he said he's going to do. Well, give us one more treat here, at least one more treat going into opening day. Uh, to reiterate, starting pitching, top priority. I'd love to see a shortstop come in. Um, Simmons, Randall, and I talked about last week. We frame that discussion as this is good if he's not the everyday guy. This cannot be the everyday option at shortstop. I want to get your thoughts on it before we look at some of these ex-Cubs who've gotten deals. Uh, $4.5 million, I think, is what Simmons is getting. It's a pretty small number in the grand scheme of things. If this guy is making 100 starts at shortstop this year, is that good or bad news for the 2022 Chicago Cubs? So here's my thought about it. And I, I, I listened to the pod last week, and I heard you guys talk in certain terms I know Randall used the term backup a lot, threw it around. He liked it. First of all, with the pitching staff the Cubs have, Wade Miley, Marcus Stroman, Kyle Hendricks, I think a defensive middle infielder was a tremendous need for the Cubs. And you're probably getting maybe the best, if one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball. Um, It's just 
you know, would I rather have Carlos Correa? Yes, but that's true. And here's the thing, though, with the way, I, as I mentioned before, the universal DH is now, I think you can be versatile with certain things. Like, Andrelton Simmons could probably play a lot of games. You add another player. Like, I'm not saying this is the end of it. You add more, obviously. But if you add another shortstop, you can, you know, move Simmons to third. You can put somebody else in the DH, maybe Wisdom DHs, maybe Schwindel DHs, maybe something like you have more room to play with guys. So it doesn't bother me as much if certain guys are getting playing time because, like, we can put more guys around. Even Simmons today, I, I read an article saying he's only really ever played shortstop in his career, but he said he's willing to play any position the club wants him to. Yeah. Um, so I, I I just, to me, it's like, I don't necessarily see him as a backup. I just see him as a piece that can be kind of be moved around in certain situations and play a lot of games. I mean, I do think you need a defense, a shortstop who's going to cover a lot of ground with the type of pitching staff the Cubs have. I think yeah. that is a priority. And that's something he's got. He's got a gold glove, a bit of a black hole offensively. And maybe that's something you can deal with if you're getting plus plus defense at a pivotal position like shortstop. Um, I just, I would feel better if this was not a guy who's yes. out on the field every day. <laughs> no, I, I think the Cubs yeah. need to add another bat. I, I, I do. I, I, it's not like, okay, we got Simmons and we stop. I, I don't feel that at all, but I feel like, but the way the flexibility they have now with the DH and Nico, Nico will be around a lot, moving yeah. around a lot. I just think they have more, way more flexibility now that I think you can move pieces around that. I, I just think, like, I don't think Andrelton Simmons is a seventh inning re- defensive replacement. I, I don't. I don't think that's how they're going to use it. But I, I – and I don't think that's why he signed here. But I, I do think that, you know, you can move him around and, and he'll play some games, and I think he'll be use, a useful part. Well, let me go and be a nerd here again for a minute. I've just found this very humorous over the last week or so. Uh, OOTP, this baseball management simulator game. Jeremy, you've played it over the years. I've gotten way into it here in the last couple of years, but I'm part of some of the online communities where players of the game talk to each other. Uh, Reddit, for example, the OOTP Reddit is a place I like to frequent, see what fans are talking about. Simmons is a legend in that game, and part of it is because the mechanism of that game puts a lot of emphasis on defense and center field, shortstop, and catcher ability which isn't unlike real life, right? You want a catcher who can frame, you want a good defensive shortstop, you want a good defensive center fielder. But the way that the mechanics of that game works, there's a ton of value having a great defensive shortstop. So he's one of those guys that if you're building a team, you go out, you get him, shorts up your middle infield. So it's been funny seeing kind of Cubs fans being like, oh gosh, this is what we're doing. This guy could be the everyday shortstop with the gamers going, oh, this is what I would do in my game. Like I'd put this guy in at shortstop. So a little bit of fun watching that play out. I just hope he's not the everyday guy and he is part of the mix. And maybe Carlos Correa ends up working out, although it seems like Houston is getting back in the mix and you'd imagine they would be the front runners for a number of reasons to maybe keep him down there in Houston. So we'll see. That should get resolved here pretty soon as we get deeper into spring training. Yeah, I, I the Correa seems like he's probably going to be uh, the last major free agent standing, it looks like, because yeah. going on now, and as you say, we're recording this at, at night on uh, March 16th, it sounds like Freddie Freeman is going to be heading to the Los Angeles Dodgers, um, reporting wow. that he's deep in talks with the Dodgers and a deal that's around six years, $160 million. So um, Correa, who knows what's going on there? There's a lot of reporting that ownership's involved. I mean, 
my uh, former cub, uh, Martin Maldonado, is all over his Twitter, just kind of hyping it up. It seems like a lot of the Astros players are hyping it up that Correa is coming back. So it makes me skeptical that he is heading to Chicago. But you know, until he doesn't, he doesn't sign, or excuse me, until he signs somewhere, uh, hopes still beats. Well, a whole bunch of ex-Cubs have signed places today, including a real head-scratcher right here in my backyard, Denver, Colorado. Let's start with KB, former Rookie of the Year, MVP, World Series hero, all-around awesome Cub in his tenure. Goes to the Giants last year. Cubs get a couple good prospects back. Now he's a free agent, and this news breaks today. Can you believe it? Seven years. $182 182 million dollars. Chris Bryant, Jeremy, is a Colorado Rocky living here in Denver, Rocky Mountain High, full no trade clause for the former MVP. I'm just shocked. I'm shocked at the dollar amount. I'm shocked that Colorado is the winner in all of this for Chris Bryant. And that's where at least potentially the next seven years of his big league career is going to be. Yeah, I'm absolutely stunned. Uh there's a huge number. Uh, I'm not necessarily stunned that by the fact that he's going to end up in Colorado, uh, it was kind of a place that I, I, I that kind of always felt for me. I like, I thought Seattle felt the most right. I thought San Francisco also felt right, but they weren't interested. It seemed like so Colorado kind of always felt like that. There was always kind of a place that I could see Chris Bryant. It just kind of felt like we know they were interested a couple of years ago when they had the Nolan Arenado for Chris Bryant talks. Yeah. Um, those were things that happen and now looking back on you kind of hope the Cubs had pulled the or Denver had pulled the trigger on that Colorado but the number is what shocks me that is just a huge number especially now that we're getting reporting on what Freddie Freeman is going to make who I probably would have rated higher than Chris Bryant which is going to be six years 160 million it sounds like from the Dodgers uh a 7182 is just a gigantic number and while it's not quite what it was reportedly the Cubs offered uh I, I he made well I think he did very well for himself Scott Boris if you're a major league baseball player you gotta go with Scott Boris I mean he's got all the top guys but I saw a graph today Scott Boris gets more than what's expected even though he has the highest players they you know they based on what their projected war would be or project going into the season Boris clients still get more than what they're expected to receive so I you know it's just a, I guess, a great job by Scott Boris working Dick Montford. Because to be honest, yeah. the way I read the situation, it didn't sound like there really was anybody interested in Chris Bryant, except for they got the Rockies on the line. And who we all know that the Rockies do things differently than every other baseball team. And it seemed like, hey, they caught a, a fish on, they got a fish on the hook, and they just reeled him in. And they reeled Dick Montford in, and he paid him $182 million. Yeah, it's just a, a massive sum of money. And I could just see Dick Moffat there getting played by Scott Boris uh, to add the extra year, another $20, $30 million on top of it. I mean, good for KB. Yeah, right? good for like, KB. like we're 100% behind Chris Bryant. What do you mean to the Cubs? Jeremy, you've been saying like some of these guys are going to potentially have longer careers with other teams and have extended times with other teams, despite what they did for the Cubs. Seven years is a long time for KB. And bottom line is he's walking into the worst team in baseball. They've lost Trevor Story. They've got one very good starting pitcher. They've got a couple of other interesting arms, but it's not necessarily going to be a big strength for them. Uh, you've got what's left of Charlie Blackman, who had many good years here in Denver, but he's on the wrong side of his career. It's going to be a bad team that he's walking into. Now, perk for me, 
I get to about 20 Rockies games a year. Very easy for me to cheer on Chris Bryant, other than the four games in April that the Cubs are here. I'm going to enjoy that. But I think Chris knows what he's getting into. And at this point, he's got the MVP. He's got the rookie of the year. He's got the ring. Now he's really getting paid. And he gets to move his family to a beautiful city here, low-pressure environment. Not a bad deal for Chris Bryant here at all, and hopefully he has a good time in Denver. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, if it wasn't for that no-trade clause, I probably would have been, you know, I, I don't think Chris Bryant's going to stay the length of that contract in Denver. But who knows? Maybe Chris Bryant eventually gets frustrated with the way the Rockies are run, like so many other players before him, and he forces a trade like Nolan did. But, you know, it seemed to me like Chris Bryant basically just wanted a place he could be comfortable. He wanted to get as much money as he possibly could. And you know what? I'm for it. If that's what Chris wants, and that's what Chris should do. It's, it's a little disappointing, as you said. A seven-year deal is e- equivalent to the time he spent with the Cubs. Um, you know, if, if Rizzo plays three years for the Yankees, hopefully that's it. But if he ends up playing, you know, two and a half years for the Yankees, you know, that, that's compared to 10 years for the Cubs. Like, I'm, I'm comfortable with Anthony Rizzo's sure. Cub legacy. I don't expect it to, but I don't want Chris Bryant to all of a sudden go off and have some monster end of his career where it's like, okay, he was a cub, but now look at what, how much he did as a, as a Rocky. I mean, I'll be rooting for him to be great, but I don't, I, I want him to be remembered as a cub. He's an MVP as a cub. He's a world series champion as a cub. He's a rookie of the year as a cub. So hopefully that extra seven years doesn't just wash over the seven years he spent as a Chicago cub. Totally. Totally. And you know, this is a Randall chat, a Randall observation I'm about to make here. KB 17 is a cub. That's off the table here in Denver. That number is retired for Todd Helton. So we are going to see a different number on Chris Bryant when he suits up in the purple alongside Dinger, but it's not going to be number 17. So that'll be a slightly different look here for him when he gets to the Mile High City. But, you know, I'm excited. Cubs are here early. After that, I can just enjoy a long summer of Rockies baseball. I don't think the team's going to be particularly good. I like seeing Herman Marquez starts. That is a legitimate big league, big time pitcher, and he pitches well at Coors Field. That's not easy to do. There's other guys I like to go see. Kyle Freeland is one of those players that I pull for as a Rocky, but you look at that lineup. I I don't know that the Rockies have gone into a season, including 1993, with less star power in their starting lineup than they've got this year. And that says so much about Dick Monfort and the disaster that's this organization. To lose Trevor Story for nothing, is it's just mind-boggling, and now he's replaced by Jose Iglesias. Talk about a step back here for the Rockies. So it's going to be an interesting summer for KB, but he's got to know that he's getting into uh, 85-90 lost territory easy coming into this season. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe Dick Monfort gave him his interpolation, you know, wins of 95 mile per hour, or sure. 95 <laughs> wins at the meeting. That, uh, But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough season for the Rockies. And the Rockies – it's hard to know what they're doing. I mean, they trade Nolan Arenado. They bring in Chris Bryant. It's like they they do all weird things. It's They don't seem to have a plan. Yeah, there is no plan. I mean, the plan is let's make as much money as possible, right? Like, And, and they're very good at that. They draw well, uh, fun times out at Coors Field. But what's the vision for the franchise? They've decimated the research and analytics department. Not that it was ever big, but they hired a guy back in the fall. He's already been uh, – he resigned. Okay, but he's out of the the mix, right? What is going on with that? You've got a general manager who steps down last April. Someone else in the organization gets hired. 
What I don't understand from the Rockies' perspective there is why don't you just at least look externally, bring in some of these bright young minds that work for other organizations and pick their brains a little bit. How would they build a winner in Colorado? Like if you're Dick Montfort and you even have the intention of keeping somebody in-house to be your next GM, why don't you go out and fish out some ideas from all of the great minds and smart people that are in baseball? It's not how they operate. Then what does he do? Oh, he names his son the head of minor league development. It's a complete joke of an organization. Chris, you're going to love Coors Field. Great place for you to hit bombs. Maybe he gets back up in the 40 home run window playing in Coors Field uh, as often as he does. But it's going to be a lot of losses for him. And at least it's a nice big paycheck to kind of offset the 90 loss seasons that are coming. Yeah, the Rockies... They'll, they signed some major contracts. They've Charlie Blackman, uh, Daryl Arenado, but he and Desmond got $70 million from them. Mike yeah, Hampton a long time ago. Uh, but then you're like, well, what's the plan? What are they trying to do? None of it fits. None of it makes sense. So uh, I, I wish Chris Bryant all the luck in the world. I think he got paid. I think he probably, I think, unfortunately, looking back on it in Five years from now, I think people will probably say this was the worst move of the offseason. But for Chris Bryant, best move of the offseason. Yeah, good for him. Good for his family. I saw rapidly growing family, too. I guess his wife is due with twins. So congrats to them. And they're going to be in the neighborhood. So uh, KB, come say hello. Uh, Plenty of uh, good memories to think back on his time in Chicago. Talk about a couple of other ex-Cubs that have landed deals. Anthony Rizzo, staying in New York. But Jeremy... This dollar figure is just like, damn, Rizzo, you should have bet on staying with the Cubs. Two years, about $32 million for Anthony to be in that first base mix and DH mix for the New York Yankees. That's not the number the Cubs were offering him. It seems low, but at the same time, this is what the market was dictating for this stage of Anthony Rizzo's career. Yeah, it's it's. Not good. For, I mean, it's good for Anthony. He's going to get $60 million a year, and he did get an opt-out after his first year. So, that I mean, if he has a monster season, he can go back in. But, you know, the Cubs offered $70 million last year, reportedly, over five years. Uh, you know, it came out. Everybody looked at it like, oh, that's kind of low. I remember we talked about it. Uh, Rizzo did not seem happy about it. He kind of shut down everything. I think he probably felt disrespected yeah. by it. I had, But you know, I, I remember saying at the time, it's like I would probably offer him more just because he's the face of the franchise and he's the beloved captain. But that felt kind of fair to me. It felt like the right value for who he was at the time, which I kind of think that's what the Cubs were kind of offering. They were just kind of offering what they felt the value was, not based on anything more than that. Like you're the face of the franchise and the way it played out. It, it's just hard for a, an older guy who's 33 years old. He's got the back problems. He's a power you know those types of guys age they don't age gracefully and there's kind of limited spots for them so when you you do it it's like there's not really room there and hopefully you know hopefully for anthony uh either the ordinances change or he got vaccinated (laughs) because right now he's only eligible to play like 70 games next year so that's gonna be an interesting uh season for him well i look i don't want to do a political pod here i want to avoid that stuff as much as possible but we're at a point where you can be a fan in attendance at these events, but you cannot participate in these events. Very weird stuff going on. Uh, hopefully common sense prevails there and Anthony will be able to play some games. How about his former teammate though, the Hoosier, Kyle Schwarber, four years, 80 million 
to go to Philadelphia, sit right in the middle of that nice lineup with Bryce Harper. This is awesome for Schwarber. A lot of uncertainty. Cubs DFA him over a $2 million difference. Now he gets some big time money to join one of the better teams in the National League East. Schwarbs, good on you. I would have given him that deal to be the DH for the Cubs this season and over the next couple of years, but at least he's going to a team with a chance to win. Yeah, and the interesting thing about that deal is uh, 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 Suzuki got more than him. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. The Cubs paid more for Isaiah Suzuki than uh, Kyle Schwarber got for uh, – I mean, if you include – I mean, he ended up getting more total, and then if you include the uh, posting fee, it ends up being a higher – which he's not going to get. It ends up being a higher average total as well. Um, but, yeah, Schwarber is going to go. I don't like him being back in the National League. I wish he would stay in the American League, stay in the AL East. Uh, he had that breakout season last year that we all were waiting for. It took a long time, but it finally came. I would have liked him, as we said. Universal yeah. DH coming back to the NL this year. So I would have liked Kyle there, but I'm glad Kyle got paid. Cubs and, need... Oh, go yeah. ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say it's nice to see him get paid. Nice to see Chris get paid. Uh, hopefully Anthony will do better in the future as well. Yeah. I just need a left-handed bat in the lineup. Schwarber made so much sense and he was fun. Imagine him hitting bombs out onto Sheffield. Uh, bummer. Missed opportunity there. Um, another one, too, that maybe the Cubs could have taken another look at, especially relatively small deal here. Jock Peterson, who gets the World Series in Atlanta, he's going home. Grew up in Northern California, signs with the Giants today. One year, $6 million. I mean, why not at that point? I think this is a great get for San Francisco. Yeah, I think it's a good get. I think he fits in well with uh, the Giants. I think that, you know, as you said, he's going home. Uh, I, I love Jock when he was on the team last year. He didn't quite didn't quite fit in uh, as well as we hoped for. Um, and then they, he was actually the first guy they traded. Yeah. Um, but I, I love Jock, and I thought he he did well. I love seeing him hit well for Atlanta in the playoffs. Jocktober, um, they went off, won the World Series. He had the pearls and the whole thing going. But you know, I'm happy with Suzuki. And if I had a choice, if the choice was Jock or Suzuki. After the Jack slash, I think I'm I'm I think I'm going with Suzuki, and I think that's yeah. actually the choice San Francisco wanted as well, and they ended up with Jack. Isn't it interesting though, too, that at this point last year you thought about Schwarber and Jock as almost equals or on similar footing with regards to contracts? Schwarber has the monster year, gets four years eighty. Jock does all right, gets the World Series, gets one year six million dollars so he's betting on himself that maybe there's a big deal still coming still huge discrepancy and what a difference a big year can make in terms of big time payoffs at that point in your career definitely uh, you know going to last year i was happy i preferred jock over schwarber i thought he was a better athlete i thought he had better more success uh, he, he hit the ball just as hard as as kyle did but kyle kyle went off last year man kyle yeah. had an amazing year so it makes sense that he was going to get a big contract like he did still under 100 million but uh, you know, Kyle got everything he deserved and, and it's, it's good to see it pay off for him. But as you said, like we make all these kind of definitive statements about certain things, all that. And then like a year later, yeah. the whole thing changes and everything we thought we knew, we didn't really know. And it's, I, I always kind of joke about like trade value. People are always like, I can't believe like this trade, like look at um, the U Darvish trade Cubs traded Darvish. It was kind of a whole thing, everything. Uh, people were really mad that, yeah. uh, uh the pitcher that I'm now blinking on that the uh, left-hander for uh, uh, in the uh, Padre system, that was one of the top pitchers in all 
of baseball at the time, uh, minor league system. And I, I'm blanking on his name. I can't believe I'm blanking on it. But the Cubs, you know, there was some talk of maybe the Cubs could get him, and he didn't. He totally knows that. I got to look up the name because I I, I have to uh, look it up. But he totally knows diving in a year. Like, he had, he couldn't even figure it out. He's been off uh the uh, off the top 100 list so uh things change uh as much as they can and i can't believe i'm blanking on this guy's name um starts with an m mckenzie gore couldn't think of his name mckenzie gore was one of the top prospects in all of baseball he was one of the top pitchers uh left-handed starters and we people were hoping that the cubs could get him for darvish but he, he and now you know they probably if darvish was the same pitcher like He'd be an easy add to that deal. And look at Darvish. Like, he had probably a mediocre season last year. Probably wouldn't be worth as much if they trade him now. Look, it's easy and fun to play armchair GM. It's a lot harder to be in those actual positions and responsible for putting out these contracts. Uh, it was a tough time when Jed traded Darvish. It was hard for us, even though we liked some of the prospects that were coming back. That's a trade that could continue to age well, especially if some of these guys pan out in a big way. Uh, this is our 60th podcast this is not a number that has been worn extensively by cubs over the years first worn in 1961 by a coach lou klein most recently worn by jason adam in the 2020 and 21 seasons or portions of those seasons any names at all here jeremy stand out to you it's a pretty thin pickings here uh what seven guys i think in total have worn number 60 for the cubs over the years i think i recognize all the names um they're just all kind of like they're all relief pitchers that really didn't spend much time with the club. Uh, Chris Carpenter, I think, is an interesting name because he's the guy that was traded for Theo. So yeah. that's an interesting thing that's about great. Chris Carpenter. He's the guy that was the, the compensation guy. And and to think about that, which is hilarious, by the way, it's like Theo, probably the greatest hire, I would argue, in Chicago Cubs history, at least of the last 70, 80 years. And to think that how what was the compensation for him? Chris Carpenter, yeah. not the Cardinals, Chris Carpenter, the Cubs, Chris Carpenter. So I, I it seems like the value was a little off there uh, in the trade. But, uh, you know, Corey Mazzoni is a name I recognize. Mitch Atkins, I do recognize. I'm uh, very briefly, just mostly from like scouring minor league kind of box scores from the late 2000s. I remember just that he was drafted out of high school uh, in the mid 2000s. And I just remember him always pitching. And I actually didn't realize he pitched he came up two different seasons for the Cubs and pitched that. But I do remember his name as being a guy in the Cubs farm system. Manny Corpus, we mentioned, I think, or maybe not, but that's a name that I recognize. So it's just, you know, kind of guys like that that were in the bullpen. That's probably what we're going to see now, now that we're in the 60s. But, you know, there's some names that I recall. Pretty slim pickings, though, for the most part. Not a lot there. I'm not going to get much better when we get to number 61 next week, but uh, Braylon Marquez. That one memorable appearance is one thing that we'll get to bring up and we'll get Randall back into the mix next week. So I'm sure he'll have, he'll have some other things that he wants to talk about. I got a few more things I want to run by you, Jeremy, before we bring this thing home. Any other Cubs thoughts though, that we're missing that you want to get out before we wrap that up? Uh, Cubs thoughts. I, I just, you know, just hopefully tomorrow, Hey, tomorrow when this podcast comes out, we're going to have a double header. We're going to yeah. have Cubs baseball on the air. Uh, they're going to broadcast the home game. Both teams are going to be against the White Sox. Now, it's a little disappointing that the first Cubs on-air broadcast is going to go head-to-head with the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're going to actually have Cubs baseball, so enjoy it because we missed it for so long. 
and it's going to be tremendous. Well, all the screens tomorrow, uh, picture and picture and picture and picture and picture to get all the games and the excitement that we'll be watching throughout the day. Uh, speaking of college basketball, Jeremy, you uh, owe me a little something here today, and I want to put you on the spot. We made a wager on the Illinois-Indiana basketball game in our group chat, and I'm ready for the uh, payoff here. Do you remember what the wager was? I've got it in front of me. I thought they were some it. compliments, and I feel like I complimented Indiana basketball off the top. Oh, well, for sure, but that the, that was not the full wager. So the Oops, loser must provide three compliments to the winner, the first one being of the person, the second one being of the team, so Indiana men's basketball, the third one being of the school or campus. So I will start. Uh, what is your compliment for me here right off the bat? My compliment of Ronan. Let's see here. I think that, uh, you know, I, I, I enjoy Ronan's uh, – I enjoy Rose's contributions to our group text very much. I think they Fantastic. they're very they the voice memos. I would say keep them coming. The yep. nicknames, the shortened abbreviated speech, you know, the all everything, everything that you that do. I, I it's not you know. And then I also enjoy you know you don't quite you all don't see it on uh um you don't hear it excuse me on the pod but and you don't see it in the group chat but. Uh, Ronan Day, he gets a little desperate. He has some desperation. If the Cubs haven't made a move in an hour, then everything <laughs> is hell. Uh, this team sucks. This league sucks. The Ricketts suck. Jed sucks. We haven't signed anybody. You know, they have all this money just sitting on the sidelines. I enjoy that. I enjoy that as well. Yeah. I, I want to win, Jeremy. I win and too. I get pissed off I when the Cubs are sitting there. And then they go get Suzuki. And I'm all day, I'm just going, hey, Suzuki, Cubs got this guy. This is awesome. So fair point there. What about a compliment of the Indiana men's basketball team? And you kind of did earlier, but give us another short one here. Uh, I think that Trace Jackson Davis is a legit player, and I think the Indiana awesome. guards need to stop ignoring him when the game gets tight. I feel like every game I've watched of Indiana basketball this year is Indiana's up, and the next thing you know, it's a close game towards the end, and their guards just start jacking horrible shots a lot of missed threes and i'm always like where is trace jackson davis why is he not getting the basketball he needs to to get yeah. the basketball at the end of these end of game situations so hopefully mike woodson that like learns his lessons or maybe he, he is saying it but they're just not ignoring it i don't need but i'm betting on indiana i don't need parker stewart jack threes galloway uh xavier johnson like give me the ball to trace jackson davis that's what i want to see that, that was me yesterday. I was at a, a watch party here with a bunch of Indiana alums and uh, just screaming at the TV set. But a lot of fun seeing them get that win and uh, hopefully a win tomorrow night in Portland as 12-5. Uh, you know how those upsets go. All right, last one here. A compliment of the school or campus there in Bloomington, Indiana. So one thing I always thought about was kind of cool, the campus. And I've only been there three or four times, really, maybe five uh, I always thought it was cool how each kind of building had that kind of limestone, kind of the similar design with the kind of like the red kind of roofs, I, I feel like. Yeah. Um, I always thought that was kind of cool. It was like the Indiana limestone uh, buildings. And I, I always thought like every building was kind of basically the same. Like at Illinois, all the buildings are kind of differently because they're built different eras and whatever. And they all kind of have a style to that era. But uh, at Indiana, it's like they're all the same. And I always thought that was cool that they have kind of a universal yeah. kind of look to them. A cohesion, if cohesion, you will, yeah. across campus. Well, you look, I want to even things out a little bit for you. I'm not complimenting you. Absolutely not. But I will say <laughs> two things about Illinois here. Um, one, it's not the worst campus in the Big Ten, and it's better than Purdue. 
So you got that going for you, kids. Purdue's like a mini champagne. Everything Purdue about is just like. it's just god awful, and it's such a dichotomy between beautiful Bloomington, Indiana, and then you go up the road to Purdue, and it's like, what the hell happened up here? You're in Indiana when you're in uh, uh, West Lafayette. That's one way that I really certainly think about it. The other compliment, though, not really school related. There's an awesome song by a great band, uh, the old 97s, called Champagne, Illinois. Awesome song, great tribute to that city. That's worth checking out. So I've got those two quasi compliments there for you. Uh, it's better than Purdue, and you got a cool song from a neat band there, the old 97s, Champagne, Illinois. But uh, good luck to your Illini Friday night. Uh, my dad's a big Illinois fan. He's certainly been watching the team all season. Real slap in the face from the Hoosiers in the Big Ten tournament. So maybe the Illini can run off a string of wins here and certainly the Hoosiers tomorrow night, St. Patrick's night. would love to see him get that 12-5 win and keep it rolling. Really anything from here on out for the Hoosiers, I will take. At this point last week, I didn't think they were going to be in the tournament. I'm happy they're there. I'm happy they won that first game against Wyoming. Illinois, higher expectations here. Jeremy, what would you be satisfied with? Sweet 16, Elite Eight? What? Where do you settle here and go, you know what? That was a good run. I think right now, if you're an Illinois fan, you're just hoping for second weekend. Uh, you know, they haven't been in the second weekend since the 05 team. Last year, obviously, a one seed, you had some yeah. high expectations, bounced by Loyola in the second round in a very frustrating game that I was at. Uh, this year, been a frustrating up and down season. Haven't really been healthy, hasn't played all that great down the stretch. Got bounced early by Indiana in the in the tournament, even though we were the number one seed in the Big Ten tournament. Like the opposite of last year. Last year we kind of tried to do our business in the Big Ten tournament. I think maybe it took a little bit of the focus away from the NCAA tournament. We were so pissed off about Michigan and everything. Like we wanted yeah. to prove ourselves we're the Big Ten champions, and we succeeded. But maybe it took off for a little bit from the NCAA tournament. I think this year we're four seed. I think Arizona is really good. Um, we played them earlier this year. It was close at home, but they beat us. Um, so I think if we can get to facing Arizona again, I will be happy. I, I, you know, Houston, all the computer metrics love Houston. They've lost a couple of their best players, but still they love Houston. So we're hopefully we get by them in the second round. If we do face them, that's going to be a tough fought game. I'm not going to overlook Chattanooga in the first round either, but the goal is second weekend. I think, I think that's the goal. Sweet 16. We haven't done it since 2005. Give me one more week of happiness. Like you get the first weekend, and then you get a whole nother week to just kind of bake into the tournament. And that's what I want. Yeah, we'll enjoy it. It's going to be fun the next couple of days here. We'll be back next week. Number 61, Randall J. Sanders will be back next week. Our first show in about two weeks with a full crew. So we're looking forward to that. But thanks for joining us here tonight. Lots of excitement with the Cubs. Spring training opening up for real tomorrow. Cubs playing a couple of games. And we will have no shortage of things to discuss over the next couple of days. Jeremy, this is Ronan. We'll see you next time on Behind the Yellow Line.